You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. Hello. Uh, so we're trying something a little different here today. Uh, instead of just preaching a sermon, we wanted to have a conversation. Uh, so hoping, hoping that that uh, hits home for all you guys here, those of you watching. Um, but the, the idea behind this conversation is knowing it's Father's Day, right? Shout out to all the dads. Happy Father's Day. Um, wanted to sit down and chat with my dad. One of the things that I have watched in my dad over the years and heard said of him by many people is that he has this father's heart. I know from the years of being his son uh, that come Father's Day, he gets text messages and emails and phone calls from people like all around the world who are wishing him a happy Father's Day and expressing the way that they've experienced the Father's heart through him. And so we thought it'd be cool to just sit down and have a conversation about um, the value of the Father's heart, what it looks like to carry the Father's heart. Uh, I think it goes without saying that we believe that there is value in knowing the heart of the Father. Um, and one of the things we've been talking about is that it was one of Jesus' primary missions was to to show the Father. Uh, and when we talk about fatherhood, we're not talking just about a title or a position, but that fatherhood is actually more of a heart posture than anything else. Uh, and, and really hoping that as we talk about this today, as we share thoughts on it, um, that we'd realize that as a follower of Jesus, our goal and our call is to carry the heart of the Father. I mean, if, if his primary mission was to show the Father, then any of us who follow Jesus are called to carry and have cultivated within us a Father's heart. And so this isn't something that's limited to whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're young or old, whether you've had children or not. Uh, the call to have the Father's heart grow in us is on anyone who follows Jesus. Um, so to make this conversational, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slow down here a little bit. But, uh, but the, the I thing, thought we weren't preaching a sermon. I, I just set in the stage. Oh, okay. I'm just doing a little, little foundational work here. Uh, but one of the things, Dad, that I wanted to be able to ask you and have everyone here you respond to, you know, is how did God start developing and cultivating the Father's heart in you um, early on in your journey as a, as a Jesus follower? Well, I think before being a Jesus follower, I had an amazing father. I was always aware that I was his pride and joy. He was so ridiculously proud of me, and I knew that I just pleased him, satisfied him, and that I was such a blessing to him in so many ways. So I believe we can only give what we've received. And all fathers, I believe, are designed to be able to represent the Father God. And that's the role that we, each one of us have. But I will say, whether as women as well, 
uh, to the degree that we've received that Father's heart, that Father's blessing, that we can give it, but only to the degree that we've received it. Now, when we say, well, I didn't receive it from my natural father, my biological father, or from father figures in my life, whether an older brother, an uncle, a teacher, a spiritual father, the dynamic is we can always turn to our heavenly father. We can forgive and release and look to him, and we start to receive it. But I will say what we experienced growing up was modeled in a wonderful way. My parents took in foster children. And so I will say, not only were they fathering and mothering foster children, but, and there's some great stories, many of you have heard them, but I'm not going to share those stories, but I will say, in what they modeled by bringing in foster children and loving them just as their own, spoke volumes to us, but I will say, even at that time, I started fathering these foster kids as well. I became part of that process and I think that put in me, I wanted to be a father. I wanted to be a father growing up. I looked forward to having kids. Uh, and so I went out with my daughter Jenny last night, and I feel like my kids, I am so proud of who they have become and just the reality of their walk with the Lord. But I think there's various things that probably shape me in the process. Uh, another one being the dynamic of being a part of the vineyard at a young age, and they really, the songs, the message was the Father heart of God. So I had a great understanding then, after my years of being backslidden and coming back to the Lord, I listened to John and Paula Sanford tapes, and I had 25 of them, and I repeatedly listened to them again and again, and their entire basis of the foundation of their counseling ministry and message was Malachi 4, 5, and 6. And it's just, behold, before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes, I'm going to send you Elijah, who's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I smite the land with a curse. And really, those are the final words of the Father in the, in the context of the Old Testament. And so in listening to the tapes, they would also then go on to identify the, after the five of the Ten Commandments that are related to loving God. The next five are related to loving people. And the first one of those is honor your father and mother, that all would go well with you, that you would live long, and that you would prosper. The dynamic is in the areas that we judge our fathers and mothers in negative ways, whether as husbands and wives, whether as parents, the dynamic is Whatever we judge, you know, it says, judge not lest you be judged also, for with the judgment you judge, you will be judged to the degree or the measure that you judge. To that degree, it's going to return. Because God isn't mocked, Galatians 6, 7. Whatever we're going to sow, we're going to reap. So their entire ministry was based upon the dynamic of what you're going to experience in the context of friendships, in the context of marriage, and in life. When it says, honor your father and mother, that all might go well with you in the very areas that we don't, it doesn't go well with us. And that you'd live long and prosper actually means that you'd have a beautiful and really good life. That isn't always about circumstance or situations, but it's our perspective of the way that we're going to view life as a result of what we've done. So it doesn't guarantee peace and ease in all circumstances. 
But I, I would identify that shaped me. There's things that shaped me of being a part of Cornerstone Youth Society and leading that from 1991 to 95, which was a street ministry working with youth here in Victoria. And in the midst of it, at the beginning, I started really hearing the Lord saying, you know, when we know who our Father is, we know who we are. When we know who we are, we know where we're going. That it becomes a North Star for us that enables us to navigate through the darkest of night. Because when we know our identity, we know our destiny. That's good. Because our, dest our destiny comes out of knowing our identity. Now, this is in the message, but it's Hosea 12, 13. It says, your true identity, and the contrast is in Jacob where his motivation is wrong, but your true identity was shaped and formed by the God-sent prophets and pastors who led you through the wilderness. Why? Because they're representing the Father. The dynamic is the ministry that we have is of reconciliation, but it's reconciling people to the Father. And so that impacted me. But I will say, after two years of working on the streets in Cornerstone, I was also going, Lord, what is the key to unlocking the heart of this city? Because I always saw the core as the heart of the city and like the artery that all the blood would pump through that, that heart to the arteries of the city. I mean, even today, it's still called the red zone. And I don't know if the boundaries are the same, but the red zone, if you were in prison or if you were out on bail, you were not allowed into the red zone. The red zone was Bay Street to Cook Street down to Bellevue. Why is that? Because if you were on parole or if you got out of jail, the dynamic is when you came into that place, there's a, like a, whether a spiritual stronghold or influence, you would fall back into maybe the sins or the crimes that you did before because of the environment that's been created and cultivated by the habitual sins that were going on. But I will say it was tough ground. And I'm going, okay, Lord, what's the key to the heart of Victoria? And he said, my heart is the key to the heart of the city. If you walk like John walked, now there's an if there. <laughs> if you walk like John walked, then you can put your head on my chest the way that John put his head on the chest of Jesus, and you can hear and feel my heart. And my heart is the key to unlocking the heart of the city. And I started doing the research, and I found out John, the Gospel of John, it's 112 explicit references to the Father, and then about 300 inferences to the Father and he, he seems to have heard something totally different than the other disciples were hearing. I mean, when you look at the contrast to his gospel and to the comparison to the others, the whole concept of Jesus, he came to show us the Father. Of, and when we've seen him, we've seen the Father. When we've seen Jesus, that because he and the Father are one. So everything he's speaking, everything he is doing, he goes through the process as well of at his baptism. I love this. That at his baptism, the heavens are opened, and the Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, which means fully satisfied. 
There's so much that's going on in this context of the dove coming down upon his shoulder. In a Hebraic culture and in that context, when a son reached 30 years of, of age, if he had been a faithful son, he would call the whole community together, have a big meal, an incredible feast, and then what you would do is in the midst of the feast, you'd call up your son, you'd put your hand on his shoulder, and you'd say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. It's giving the inheritance to the son. He's no longer needing my signature. He's no longer needing a stamp, a seal to be able to make decisions. He can buy and sell whatever is in the inheritance. He has the resources. He has the authority to be able to do this. So the authority is imparted at that age, at age 30, to the son to be able to steward everything in the kingdom, everything in his father's realm. But then we know Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. Always sounds strange, doesn't it? You know, led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. And what does the devil say? The devil says, if you are the Son of God. What did the Father just say? So we're tested on that revelation. If you're the Son of God, if he's well pleased in you, turn the stones into bread. And then jump off the pinnacle. It's a pressure to perform, to produce, and to prove. But when we're secure in our identity, and we pass those tests, if you look in Luke 4.14, Jesus returned full of, uh, in the power of, and under the control of the Holy Spirit, and ministry began. Authority is given to us because of what's taken place because of Christ and the reconciliation and the blessing and the authority has been imparted. But if that authority is there, why is it we don't see the results? Sometimes we haven't passed the test to see the power. So if our next-door neighbors are drug dealers, and I'm a police officer and I go over there with a badge, but they are armed to the teeth, my badge isn't going to get me very far. My artillery is that the right way? Artillery. <laughs> Artillery <laughs> has got to be greater than theirs. If it's a group of hell's angels and they've got guns and weapons, you know what? I'm going to have to come up with just as much power or greater power to be able to get them to yield. The badge won't do it. They're not going to respect or honor that. So there's needing the power to go along with the authority. And so I really do see that power increasing by us being, having passed the tests of even though the Father has said, this is my beloved Son, and He's speaking our identity. You know, when I, when I state this, I'll say, even if you do the, the uh, studies in psychology, if you do the studies in sociology, mothers nurture a child, but it's a father that affirms the identity of the masculinity or the femininity. If Caleb has received the blessing of the Father, whether from me or the Heavenly Father, it equips him and empowers him for life. He knows he's going to succeed as a man, as a husband, as a father. He's willing to take risks. No matter how often he fails in life, he knows he's got straight A's with his father. He's experienced the affirmation, the acceptance, and the approval. And he's passed with flying colors. And when he has that, no amount of failure 
equals I am a failure. Because he sees himself in his father's eyes. I will say, I believe that when we can see ourselves through our father's eyes, this is what Jesus is talking about or via the Holy Spirit in 2 Corinthians 5.16. Where it says, so from now on, from this point on, we no longer know one another after the flesh. But after the Spirit, although we once knew Christ this way, merely from a worldly point of view, just a natural man like any other, we don't see him that way any longer. And then it shifts, and it says, we're new creatures in Christ, a creature that has never previously existed before. Jesus is not the only begotten Son of God anymore. He's the firstborn among many brothers. And so we're a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. I could share several different stories, but I will say, as I started to have experiences as well, where I started seeing my children through the Father's eyes, I started seeing myself through the Father's eyes, I could communicate in a different way. I will say, I believe all the grace I have for people that others may have no grace for is because I see the treasure and I see the potential and I'm seeing them through the Father's eyes. Now, I'm not doing that all the time. I wish I could grow in this more. Because there's a few people that I find there's some extra grace required. <laughs> and it's harder to. But I really do believe that the more we start seeing ourselves the way the Father sees us, the more effective we are in being able to communicate out of all the five love languages, that affirmation, that acceptance, that approval, and we're able to empower the people around us and equip them for life, uh, to be able to succeed in a variety of areas because even if they are, a person is successful. If they haven't received a father's blessing, it's like pouring uh, water into a bucket with holes in it. None of it sticks. And they're still striving for that father's blessing. There's a lot I could say on that, but uh, Caleb, where do you want to go from here? Well, I had some other questions, but you answered them already. <laughs> the, uh, well, the, let's, let's the, wrap the, it up. The, the, uh, you know, I was going to ask you, like, w to just to respond, I mean, you had experiences, whether in your home, whether your early life in church, and then also seeing the need in the city really, like, started to be a part of the process of God cultivating it. But then I was going to ask you, like, what is it that, fathers do in other words what is fatherhood and i hear you already saying that it's like fathers affirm the identity of people their true identity who they are and you see that my next question is going to be how does the father's heart you know uh affect how you see people and relate to them and you're you know you're answering that in what you're saying but i you know so i'll just maybe echo or share some thoughts and connection to that and that's like I know I've experienced this in my own journey when you uh, go home with your first kid and you're like I'm I'm a dad you know? <laughs> and you get and, and you and you grow into it you maybe have the position you know and the title right then but it's something that develops and I know I had a really similar experience when this church community laid hands on me almost three years ago and appointed me in this lead role here at Lifetree where there was like this mantle that came on and this sense of like 
it, it just changes how you relate to the people in the community. It felt it did something in my heart how I relate to you guys, uh, where it was like there was this sense of call and purpose to find that true identity in people, pull that out, love that to the surface, etc. And um, and I remember like in the early months of that, starting to get hit with, oh, that heart posture doesn't need to be limited to the boundaries of this community called Life Tree. That heart posture is something that we're called to carry everywhere we go in the city. And that there, as we hear my dad talk about how you know how you were getting the father's heart developed in you, and it affected how you were um, operating in the street ministry with Cornerstone in the '90s and the stuff we know since then as well. Um, I would just, you know, encourage all of us to ask the Lord to cultivate within us more of that Father's heart. Because when you walk with the Father's heart, it does change how we see people. You know, like when you see people's weakness as a just, you know, regular person or as a, or as a brother or a sister, that weakness uh, seen can result in judgment, but when you see weakness in a person and it's revealed to you as a father, your response to it is, how can I help? You know, like God's showing me this so that I can actually help build this person up, so I can help be a part of this person's journey and strengthening, and we really believe that that does flow from seeing them for who they really are and calling that to the surface. Um, I just think, I think it's a, a beautiful, beautiful heart posture for us to have. Um, I, I think, like, you've, you've told me, you were telling me as we were talking earlier in getting ready for this morning about a shift that started to happen for you when you were doing the street ministry in Cornerstone, right? When you started to embrace more of the Father's heart, uh, you guys began to see more what seemed like more fruitfulness in what you're doing. You want to tell us a bit about that? Yes, and, uh, you know, Paul talks about to the Corinthians, you may have 10,000 guardians, but not many fathers, and I become a father unto you. I don't believe he's inferring because I led you to Jesus. It's not about the dynamic of seeing, impregnating a woman and having her have a child doesn't make you a father. It's the way that you show up and that he was continually feeding them through the Word of God. He was discipling them. Uh, he was rebuking and correcting them because of his concern and compassion for them. And so it's the willingness to be able to do that, but I believe he also saw the potential in them of their image bearers. And so he's able to speak to that. So I will say, we started moving from evangelism into discipleship, but I will also identify the more I started seeing myself through the Father's eyes, and seeing others through the Father's eyes, the prophetic gifting started kicking in like never before of getting words of knowledge, getting discernment, getting insight into what's going on, and that's what was unlocking people's hearts because when I had the Father's heart, now he could trust me with the people's hearts. And as I grew in the Father's heart, I see Tim in the back there nodding because if you want a father's hug or experience a father's heart, uh, Dr. Tim has got a phenomenal father's heart. He can't help but just ooze it out no matter who's around him. 
And uh, I just wish he would have taken me on as a patient, but he refused to, but oh well. I'm still processing that, just just so you know, Tim. We're good we, friends. We know, I, we know I can get away with this. There's this Father in Heaven you can go to. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, so we went from maybe the first year seeing about 10 people saved. And in the fifth year, it was only 80 people, but we moved to more of a discipleship. But we also, over the five years, the Young Moms program that we had, of women that came, girls, more like, rather than women that came that were pregnant, and they were receiving counsel just from whether the school system, the social services, the questions that they were asked is, well, what are you going to do? How are you going to take care of yourself? Where are you going to work? How are you going to finish school? And it was all questions they had no answers for, and all it did was create fear of the future. And it led them to a place the only solution was an abortion. So when they asked us the same questions, we said, well, there's these social services available to you that we can get you housing through government assistance. We can get you back into school and you can get actually money that you're not going to have to pay back because of being pregnant. We're working with churches. We can get your place furnished and we can also just bring in dishes and we have free daycare of women that are willing to give themselves to be able to assist. Well, we didn't see all of the ones decide to not have an abortion, but we probably saw 60, 70, 80% decide, I'm not going to have an abortion because I have answers. We became the answers to their situation. And as a result of that, the ones that we worked with for usually a few months to up to two years are Elizabeth Newman and I, we identified 100% of them came to Jesus. All the ones that we could assist, and in one sense be a father for, we saw phenomenal results. That's awesome. So we were meeting the felt need. Uh, I, I have one other story, and cool. many have heard it, Let's hear it. a couple of stories actually maybe. Many of you have heard this one, but I'll say my daughter Rachel was going through a difficult time. And she was struggling in school, struggling in relationships. And I'm going, God, what's going on? And I'm saying, God, what's her problem? And the Lord said, you're her problem. And I'm going, what do you mean? She's the one struggling. And he, he said, the way you see her is her problem. And I'm thinking, I've read the books on fathering. I've listened to the tapes. I know the methods. I know the techniques. I've been practicing, I'm using the five love languages, I'm doing everything I know that, that I can do by the book. And the Lord started to show me that I was comparing her to other kids and that I was comparing her to her siblings. And so no matter what I did in my words of affirmation, acceptance, and approval using the five love languages, her internal discernment that she didn't have an understanding on is, I call it her BSO-meter. I would say something, and it, inside it would go, BS. Say something else, go inside, BS. And she wouldn't receive it. And it took about a year and a half of a process for me to see her the way the Heavenly Father saw her. And the Lord started showing me don't compare her to her biological age. She's a late bloomer. And I started seeing her the way he saw her, and it was more about me being adjusted. And when I was adjusted and my perspective changed, 
I started saying the same things as I said before, but now she's believing it and she's receiving it and she starts to blossom. And she's just turned into an amazing young lady uh, and it's just phenomenal. But I really recognize she is responsible for her, deci her decisions, but the power of a father's perspective was able to not shape her into something, but it was able to bring out who she really was. The treasure started to flourish. I remember another time, Caleb was actually there. I think he was 18 at the time, and he came with us, and we were at St. Simon's Island in Georgia, and we're ministering. There's a whole lot of backstory to this, but I won't get into it, but just this one girl... Well, this woman, she's married, she's got a couple of kids, she's got many health issues, she was in incredible pain at the time because of kidney stones that she was experiencing at that time, and she's going, why is my life so lousy? Why, you know, I had a horrible upbringing, I've had these health issues, my marriage sucks, <laughs> you know, and she's, she's just going on and venting, and I, I'm listening and I'm waiting. And, as I, and then I said, could I pray for you? And let's pretend this is the very first time. Put aside all the other times. She says, okay, okay. Prayed for her. She went down, and she went down hard. She was down for over an hour. But when she came up, all she could do is, he loves me. My father loves me. None of the questions were answered maybe directly, but her experience of the love of the Father changed everything. And she realized after the pain from the kidney stones was completely gone, and other elements were healed as well. But she was not even concerned that she was physically healed in a dramatic way. She was overwhelmed because she experienced the Father heart of God. And all I was doing is ministering and speaking the Father's heart, and she went down, and the Father and the Holy Spirit took over from there. But she was absolutely transformed by encountering the Father. And I have awesome. many similar stories like that, but it's phenomenal. Uh, globally, I think all of the issues that we're facing, to me, bottom line, are related to the Father heart of God. Yeah. Uh, I was mentioning to Caleb, if you do the research, Hallmark makes great money, especially in the prisons, on Mother's Day, they, these prisoners, they, these men, they send Mother's Day cards, but next to hardly anybody sends a Father's Day card. And it's a major issue, and we could probably trace it, to trace back many of the issues within the context of our culture and society to this dynamic of the relationship to the Father. Mm -hmm. we, we pray a lot the prayer. God, let your kingdom come, Father, our Father in heaven, you know, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, we long to see the kingdom affecting the earth, but one of the things that I really believe as we've been talking and you hear the stories about uh, when you were doing street ministry is that our mission in seeing heaven touch earth is really just to bring people into an encounter with the love of the Father. And that's really our simple call. So if you want to really understand in simplicity what you're called to as an ambassador of the kingdom, 
as a carrier of heaven on earth. Uh, it's to show the heart of the Father to people around us. Uh, that is essentially the goal of missions. The goal of missions is reveal the Father. And we have such a desire at this church, right, to, to see our city touched by the kingdom. And I would love that if you could just, from this place where you've been walking this out for years, just pray a blessing, pray an impartation of the Father's heart. Um, and for anybody, any of you guys here, if you're like, yes, I'll take more of the Father's heart in me, I'd invite you to, to stand and take a posture to receive. Uh, if you're watching this now or later, simply you can say out loud to God, I want it. You could put your hands out. You could do it however you want to do it. Um, but I'd love to just ask you to just, however you feel led to pray for that Father's heart to rest on us, uh, to do so. And then we're going to let Kelly come and close us out here today. And if you do have what you find as obstacles or barriers to receiving, you can phone me, phone Caleb, and we can talk about it. Uh, but my heart is, it's just going, okay, Heavenly Father, I haven't always had a great representation of you. Jeremiah talks in reference to the Father. You know, I was hoping, I wished that you would have called me Father. And Isaiah and Jeremiah are actually foreshadowing that God is going to be related to his Father because in the Old Covenant, he wasn't related to in that way. It's like judge, it's master, it's Lord, but it wasn't Abba Father. But in Jesus showing us the Father, and our mission to show others the Father is we're reconciling people back to the Father, but how can we reconcile them back to the Father unless we know the Father? And to the degree that we experience the Father heart of God, to that degree can we give it away in words, in all five love languages, in the gifts of the Spirit, and we can start being more effective the more that we receive the Father heart of God. So, Father, this never ends, and I thank you for Jim and Bonnie Inkster, who were our first spiritual parents. I thank you for John Sanford, who became a spiritual father to me. I thank you for John Paul Jackson, who was a father for me in the area of the prophetic. I thank you for those momentary fathers that represented to you, to me, or my spiritual mother, Esther Bennett, who revealed the Father to me. And so, Father, I ask that you would just come and we'd be able to receive it directly from you, but we'd be able to receive it indirectly as well. And, Father, I ask that when we read the Arionic blessing, that we'd realize that's a Father's blessing. So, Father, I just want to thank you for each one that's here, each one that's, you know, watching live, and everyone that may listen to this after. I say, Heavenly Father, you shed abroad your love in our hearts by your Holy Spirit, and I welcome you to come. And the affirmation, the acceptance, and the approval that we need to be able to hear repeatedly of this is my much-loved Son my beloved daughter, my princess, 
my pride and my joy. And Paul said it twice, writing to the churches, you're my crown, you're my reward, you're my pride, you're my joy. Lord, I welcome you just to come and overwhelm each one with an awareness that you rejoice over us with singing, that you take great delight in us, that we are your joy. When it says the joy of the Lord is your strength, remember Paul representing the Father says, you're my pride and joy. The joy of the Lord being your strength is when you're aware of how he sees you how he feels about you, how he thinks of you. That's where your strength comes from. So, Father, I welcome you to come. Where there's ever a sense of you being disappointed with us, dissatisfied with us, Lord, I ask that you would bust through, and, Lord, the truth would bust those lies and bust those thoughts, and we would see where your pride and joy we are great delight. You rejoice over us with singing because you're so stoked in who we are. So, Father, in the way that we see our children and are overwhelmed at times or see just children, whether our own or others, and we are so pleased, and they're not even doing anything, good or bad, but we're wonderfully overwhelmed. Lord, I ask that every time that that happens, there'd be a deposit left in us. Every time we represent you in a hug, in a word of encouragement, or even in a discipline, in a rebuke, that, Father, that we would experience your love flowing through us and realize the more that we represent you, the more that we speak for you, there's a deposit left in us that transforms us. And so I welcome you, Holy Spirit, to continue the work of showing us the Father. Let us see the Father in Jesus. Let us see the Father in one another. Let us see and encounter the Father at different places and different times, at times that we'd be recipients of Father of your love, and at other times we would be the deliverers of your love, and we would see hearts unlocked of captives set free, people in prisons of darkness, the darkness being busted wide open, of people of, with a broken heart being healed up. Lord, that the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon us because you have anointed us to preach good news, to set the captives free, to heal the brokenhearted, to release those that are bound in prisons of darkness, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So, Father, as we start to do what we are created and designed to do, Jesus, we continue your ministry of showing people the Father. And that's the key to unlocking their hearts. And so, Lord, I welcome you to also release words of knowledge, words of wisdom, gifts of prophecy, that as the Father's heart increases of the way that we would start seeing your children all around you, and every one is one of your children even the ones that don't know you yet because you have paid the price for them to be your children. Lord, as we would start seeing them through your eyes and expressing it, we would see heart after heart after heart unlocked and being reconciled in relationship to you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Life Tree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Life Tree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.